Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've been waiting for, a podcast for podcasters. This is Creating the Greatest Show, and I'm your host, Casey Cheshire. Join me as we interview podcast hosts and investigate the ingredients of a successful interview podcast. We'll talk mistakes, earned skills, powerful questions, and more. This show is sponsored by Ringmaster, completely done for you, B2B podcast production. And there it is. You hit buttons and things happen. It's like we've left the station. The roller coaster is moving. I'm scared and happy and excited. Who am I going to talk to today? He is a guest that he is a man. He's an awesome guy that I've talked to before on the marketing podcast. So yes, he is a marketer, a leader, a thought leader, a speaker, a best-selling author as well, and an investor named one of the top 50 fearless marketers in the world. Also the author of Fuck Content Marketing. Yes, you heard that right. Host of the Marketer's Journey podcast, which I highly recommend. Chief Evangelist and co-founder of Uber Flip, Randy Frisch. Welcome to the show, sir. Well, I am so excited to be here. And I am already impressed for two reasons. Number one, you tease this idea of the perfect intro. You've got that perfect intro. So kudos on you. And number two, you've already dropped a legit F-bomb. Uh, you know, no F, no this, no that. You know, we're just jumping in and we're dropping fuck. We won't do it too many times. So you don't have to put your kids away. But, you know, it does right. happen with me from time to time. Right. It's good for people to know that that's the kind of podcast that this is. We're just going to keep it real and let people know what's going on. So okay. I'm excited to talk to you. You are a, not only your seasoned marketer, but you have been well into your podcasting journey, your podcast, The Marketer's Journey. I was just listening to an episode today when you were talking to um, John Miller, actually, who's like a Marketo famous, and we could go on tangents there, but you've got a great podcast. You really get into it with people. So I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to ask you this question that we, that we ask at the beginning of every one of these journeys, which is to pull back the curtain for us on your show and share your most important strategy for a great podcast. It's a great question. First of all, I, I love starting a show with a good question, but that's not going to be my answer. Uh, <laughs> my my answer here is going to come more to determining what your show is meant to be. And a lot of that has to do with who's your guest. Now think about it this way. It's one of my favorite podcasts just to listen to like for fun is Smartless. And all of a sudden, if one day I tuned in and it was someone completely non-famous, I'd, you know, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be meaningful. It wouldn't be the stories that you're curious about. The reason people listen to my show is because I have CMOs of some of the biggest, highest, highest growth companies. You know, you hit on John Miller, who's right. a good friend of mine and, you know, founded, co-founded Marketo, uh, which had an amazing outcome. Now he's yeah. the CMO of demand base. I mean, that's a company that people look at and they want to learn not just about the company, but they want to learn about the journey and path of a CMO who got to that level. That's very different than if I all of a sudden had a VP marketing or CMO of a company that's got two marketers just getting started. They're scrappy. I'm not taking anything away from that person because that's a whole other skill set. Yeah. But when you come on and you listen to my show, you want to know what you're going to get and that's what you're going to tune in for. So I think it's being consistent in those ways. And, and sometimes that actually means that you've got to say no to someone who's really intriguing but just not your guest and in turn, not what people are going to listen to. Got to say no. This is, it's, it's often harder to say no to a guest than it is just to say yes. And I'm sure you get people flung at you. People are asking you and you get podcast bookers out there, all these people coming at you. How, where do you start? How do you begin this defense? How do you begin this defensive wall so that you do not just letting everyone in? Absolutely. It's, it's a great question. And and I'm not going to name drop people who I've said no to, but I will tell you, I've, I've said no to some really impressive, as an example, CEOs. Uh, and sometimes there are CEOs of marketing organizations or MarTech type of platforms. And I'm talking massive scale, public companies, et cetera. And, and as much as I'm sometimes tempted to talk to that person, even if they came from a marketing background, the, the storyline of my podcast is the marketer's journey. And we hit on that from a few different angles. One is what is the journey to becoming a CMO? Second is how are you 
mapping the journey of your buyers as a CMO. And then we talk a little bit about their personal journey as well, which is, you know, very interesting, uh, you know, kind of at the end to wrap it all up and, and make it a little bit more personal. But, but if I all of a sudden tried to do that with someone else, it's going to be a very different episode, right? It would be like going into McDonald's and not having the regular recipe that you expect in McDonald's, even if McDonald's is shit in your mind. Yeah. You, know, you know what you're going to get there every time. And if all of a sudden it was something different that you didn't like or you really liked, but you went to a different McDonald's and you can't get that, your expectations are, are kind of no longer met. So yeah. for me, it's that consistency. One of the things that I'll do sometimes, and, and I get a lot of those inbounds, as you said, I got one just yesterday uh, and it was from a company that I, I couldn't really tell how big they were. I could tell they had some scale. Uh, it was a booking agent on behalf of, in this case, it was actually the CEO. And But I was intrigued. So I was intrigued enough to respond and first of all, set the expectation. We won't talk to your CEO, but we'd be intrigued to talk mm. to your CMO. But then I have a bunch of different questions that I ask and they tie to everything from the scale of that organization you know, how many employees, how many marketers specifically in that organization. Um, and then as well, you know, just getting into, you know, what are the areas that this person likes to talk about? Um, if I've got that, then I can usually make a pretty good call as to whether it will be relevant within the rest of the type of guests that I have got. Um, and sometimes it's on the fringe. And in those cases, I actually ask my own marketing team. I'll say to them, would you listen to this person? You know, this is, you know, mm. would this intrigue you? Because that's an example of my audience that I can go to and say, what do you think? So is this a questionnaire you're sending to a potential guest in advance? It's it's quite informal. So first oh, of it's all, informal. Okay. yeah, it's it's quite informal. And this is more, so we, we get guests in two ways. I've got a fantastic team who helps me uh, source the right guests. Uh, and they've, you know, as, as the podcast has grown, I mean, we're over 120 episodes of this podcast. Right. I, I did a different podcast for about 250 episodes before this one, uh, with, yeah, I, I know, you know, Jay bear as well. So Jay, yeah. Jay brought me in on one of his podcasts. Uh, but this one is, you know, just over 120 episodes now. Uh, and the, the person who helps me source is fantastic. Like, you know, I'll give her accounts that, that our team is trying to work closely with and she'll go and get some of those even. So it's a great BD side to it, which we'll right. probably talk about later in terms of ROI. But, um, but the other thing sometimes is I tell her just, I don't want just ones that we could sell to. I want ones that are going to challenge us. You know, I want a guest that's going to kind of like make you be like, all right, this is, this is still scale and this is still different. And a great example of that was this past season uh, that we just wrapped up. We had Dina Bari on, um, and Dina is the CMO of StockX. Do you know, do yeah. you know what StockX is? Yeah. Um, so some people listening for sure already do, and then I'll set context. StockX is this website that you can go to. They've got an app, and you can buy Air Jordans. But I'm talking like rare Air Jordan running oh, shoes. Oh, look at this. Yeah. At premiums. And it's the coolest site. First of all, my son, who's 15, is obsessed with this thing uh, and obsessed with you know shoe culture. Um, I've gotten pulled in as well because I want to be cool in my son's eyes. Now I want to just be cool. And now it makes me feel great uh, to wear a <laughs> pair of these shoes. So I just wanted to, when she told me she could get Dina, I was like, this is so interesting. Even though a lot of my audience is generally a little bit more B2B. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the audience, I find that bringing in a little bit of different perspective sometimes, as long as it's still a company of scale, which StockX absolutely has. And in, in, in the case, even though it's more B2C, it's a considered purchase. You know, believe it or not, people are spending thousands of dollars for these I, running. Yeah, shoes. I just saw that Air Force Ones, thousand, thousand dollars. Oh, yeah. $1,600 that, like, for shoe. It's amazing. Honestly, crazy. you know. Everyone, everyone, don't stop playing the podcast. You can, you know, if you're listening on Spotify or something, you can just open up another tab on your browser. Yeah. Download the StockX app. It's so cool. But the the point here is more so bringing in different people. Whether it's Dina, uh, we had the CMO of Vacasa, um, you know, which is kind of like an Airbnb alternative. Um, they're they're massive. Uh, Allison Lowry this past season. So I always try and mix a little bit of variety in but making sure at the same time 
that it's the scale of type of organization, because I often think about who is my audience and, and I will, I will start every podcast before we record kind of in that, you know, that schmoozing time just before you and I went live, Casey, and I'll say to my guests, I'll say, I want you to write, I want you to think about who's listening to this, right? And the person listening is probably either aspiring to be like you as a CMO, or they're a CMO that's not happy in their current gig, mm. or they're not sure if their strategy is working well, and they're looking for other perspectives. So what I want is I want people who people can relate to at yeah. the end of the day. Sounds like there, there's a lot of criteria, almost like we're you know back on the marketing show talking ideal customer profile. And it sounds like some of these things are flexible, B2B, B2C, eh, usually, but it's considered sales. So there's some flexibility there, but there's some things that aren't flexible, not the CEO, not the uh, the wrong person, or if they're not the right scale, or, or if it's not someone who's going to be intriguing from our audience. So so tell me about that. Do you have this written out as if it's like a buyer persona or is it more just conversations you're having with your production team? Well, well, first off, I'll, I'll be I'll lift the veil a little bit here and, I, and I'll be really honest because when we started this podcast, we had a different team sourcing for us and I didn't put any criteria. In yeah. the first season, we have some amazing guests, but we're a little bit more all over the place in terms of scale of organization. Um, and even in some cases, seniority and experience of the marketer that, that we've got. And, and don't go and look at who I'm talking about because every one of them are brilliant. But again, it's about consistency. It's yeah. about consistency of the type of experience that you'll tune into and get. That perspective is what I want to be consistent and at, at a certain level of experience. So it was only after I moved to this new group that we started to set some of that criteria. Mm. Now, it's funny that you, you threw ICP in there, which for those who are not marketers is this idea of ideal customer profile. Sometimes we use the term ideal account profile today, ideal you know, yep. IAP. Um, but I feel like in this case, we could throw a new acronym in here that you just coined, which is like, you know, IGP, right? Ideal guest profile. Guest profile. <laughs> and the interesting thing, and, and remember here, my podcast is a part of the Uber Philip brand. Although we separated in many ways from our brand, it's really designed to be one of our channels to talk to our prospective customers, our current customers. So you won't be shocked to hear that the type of IEP or ICP I have is very similar to the IGP that mm -hmm. we just defined. And that is this idea that I want to go out and I want to bring people on who my customers can learn from, or perhaps in some cases may become my customer, or they are already our customer. And now we're creating executive alignment with their CMO. Yeah. Now there's all these other ulterior motives. Yes. In the background, lifting that veil, but at the end of the day, it creates consistency because this is who our business is targeting. And at Uberflip, we target more mid-market enterprise organizations or very high growth early stage organizations that you know are, are challenged with these elements of how do I go to market? How do I scale content? Yeah. And so because of that, you're able to zero in a little bit closer and and you hit more marks, right? You, and you've you've said consistency several times which I think is important. And you've been consistent about saying consistency. Uh, but there's something something to that. And I think the underlying thing here is you're thinking about your audience. You're thinking about the end result. I mean, talk to me about that. What place does the audience hold in your heart, in your mind, as you're trying to create the show, create your greatest show? That's a great question. It's, you know, I, I do a lot of public speaking. And one of the best things about public speaking especially post COVID where you can get in front of people. I was actually, yeah. I mean, I'm dating this podcast by saying this, but you literally yesterday I was speaking at content marketing world in Cleveland. I'm back home now, but uh, you know, being on a stage, delivering your line and seeing a reaction yeah. from the audience in that moment tells you whether what you're saying is going to resonate or not. Podcasting is a lot harder True. because you are basically just speaking to the other person 
you know, if you're fortunate to have video flowing in that moment. And as a result, it's it's hard to know whether or not it's going to resonate. Now, so what I do in place of that is I try and just have as genuine and real of a conversation as possible. Now, mm-hmm. a lot of guests, not all, but there's a lot of guests who like to have advanced understanding of what questions you're going to ask or where the conversation is going to go. And keep in mind, I'm fortunate to, to interview some really large company execs that have PR teams who join the podcast when we do it. But I really reinforce this idea that I want it to be real because if it's real and we are of the right fit to our audience, then we should be able to connect with them. They should care about what we're going to talk about because we're not going to go surface level. We're Mm -hmm. actually going to talk about real problems. And I may ask you a question, you may be uncomfortable, but that's okay because if you're not comfortable with the question, we'll cut it out. We'll figure that out, but we're going to try and use it. And I find that line that usually is comfortable, but usually is real. I, lo- I love that you're invoking a couple things here. You want to walk that line, walk that edge, but unlike say in front of a thousand people at content world, uh, content marketing, what, what was it? It was content. You nailed it. Yeah, you nailed it. it okay. There. Con- so content many. marketing world. I, I, miss, I miss you with that one. I didn't get a chance to go to that one. Uh, so you're speaking to a thousand people. You can't take it back, right? <laughs> you ask the edgy question in front of That's why sometimes in person, sometimes they can't walk that line as much because they're trying to be polite. And it's like almost like a brochure. But you can be a little more gritty on a podcast and dig in and get that question. And you're right. If it's a little, little bullshit, then you can just edit that thing out and no one's the wiser. And, and it, I think it enables people to be open knowing that there's a safety valve, if you let them know, right? If you let them know, hey, we have a safety valve, like, you know, if you accidentally said Boeing and you shouldn't have, we can get rid of that. It's no problem. So so I'll tell you this. We have done, as I said, over 120 episodes at this point. Um, I'm just checking how many have gone. 122 have gone live at this point. Wow. And I, I can count in my mind the number of times we've edited something out on request. Yeah. And that's twice, right? Yeah. And, and sometimes it's just, you know what, I wasn't supposed to give that number, you know, that, you know, right. that growth metric or revenue number, but it's never a part of the podcast. And, you know, even though we're getting to some really tough realities or, or shared stories of how this person took a risk or quit a job or whatever yeah. it was when it was either the right move or not the right move. And I think that vulnerability is, is first of all, it's fun to share. Once yeah. you feel comfortable to do so and, and creating a setting to do so. And, and they realize that this is, a you know, most of my guests, I think, realize that this is their opportunity to give back in a safe environment. Yeah. Vulnerability. Wanting it to be real. Let's talk a little bit, let's shift a little bit more to like a timeline, thinking about the whole overall process of, of your podcast. And when you talk about the idea of wanting to get real with people and some people wanting to, to hear more about it, Talk to us about the preparation. Do you do prep calls? Do you talk beforehand? What kind of things do you let them know about it in advance? And what don't you? And what's your approach to before the show begins? Sure. So so a couple of things to keep in mind. I, I used to be very against prep calls. And then I've been on some really good prep calls like yours. Sure. Uh, and and I get off of those and I'm like, ah, oh, that would be helpful. <laughs> um, or everyone's prep call, TM. Every once in a while, I will have a guest who demands a prep call. Uh, very once really? a while, no more than once once a season do I ever have that. Um, and and I I don't say no, but I try and discourage it. The reason for that there's a couple. One is I, I have to understand who my audience is, and most of my guests, as I've told you, are CMOs of really large organizations. You look at the the calendar of any CMO; it is yeah. it is tricky. I mean, we we end up with a lot of rescheduled podcasts. Um, just, just at that level, given the realities of people's schedules. So a combination of wanting to keep it real, as we've talked about, as well as just the realities of of that person's time. So the key is how do you get that person to be comfortable? In some cases, you know, take John Miller, who you mentioned, John doesn't need a prep call with me. John and I speak on a regular basis, you know, just by phone call, he knows I'm not going to, you know, throw anything at him that's going to catch him completely off guard. But someone may not know me or may not have taken the time to listen to some of the episodes. So how do you create that comfort? The way I actually do that is tied into 
my booking process. Um, I used to have, you know, a number of people in between, including an EA who helped with this, but I, I streamlined it a couple of seasons ago where instead what I use is I use a Calendly link, right? So we all know Calendly or imagine one of these calendar booking links where someone can find slots in your schedule. Now that's, that helps just with booking this, keeping right. in mind that, you know, it's hard to go back and forth, like we said, with their calendars. But more importantly, I'm using some of the automation workflows that are built into Calendly now. So what I'll do is there will be a sequence of emails that go out a week before, 72 hours before, a day before. And each of those emails is designed to give comfort and give assurance. So even though they have all the information when they agree to come on this podcast, in that starting that week before, I send them examples of some of my favorite episodes so that they can go listen to. I send them the categories that we're going to talk about. I already told you what those three are, right? My first category is career journey, as I kind of bucket it. The second one is per, is more uh, buyer journey and then personal journey. Very high level. This is what we're going to hit on. And then, you know, in the day before, I even make sure they know what Uberflip's all about, right? right. In case you right. want to talk about Uberflip and you're not a customer, this is what we do. And that way they, they have this sequence of information being fed to them and they're prepared and they're ready to come on and not fear the need to have that. Since I've put that in place, a couple of things have happened. One, I, I way less time until we get into the actual flow of the podcast. Um, cause most of them will allude to, I've read this or I was briefed by my PR person. Um, and then the second thing that's actually happened is really nice, way less people were rescheduling. And I think part of that is because it's not popping into their calendar that morning. And it's like, oh shit, I got to do a podcast today. It's no, I know this is coming. I'm getting pumped. I'm starting to think about the stories that I'm going to tell. And I wake up and I can't wait to do it. Oh, man, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that because, you know, I, I am on the bandwagon of the prep call and I love beating that drum and just telling people like, got to do it, got to do it. But taking a step back, even from the tactics, either way, you got to, you got to, or you should make your guests feel as comfortable as possible if you want to get to the real stuff. And, and you and I have both talked about, you want to get to that, the real edgy or not edgy, but the real them, right? And and if you're not careful, you'll get the fake them and you'll get that sort of studio version, right, of the person. So all these things are designed. It No matter what, you need to do something, right? And so even Joe Rogan, some people say, well, he doesn't have time to do a prep call because it's like someone famous as well, right, who's also super famous and they're an astronaut or something. Um, and Joe doesn't have time either. Yeah, but he spends a good half an hour drinking whiskey with them and showing them this crazy studio to build some kind of rapport. So some way, somehow, whether it's extra time on the schedule or, or these amazing emails, which sound fantastic, or doing a prep call, you needed to think, do something and consider that well-being of your guests to really get something out of them. Yeah. One of the other things I do also, and, and I, maybe I should switch to sending them whiskey to your point, but uh, I, I send a gift before they join. Uh, you know, I'm going to end up with a lineup of people wanting to be on the podcast just for this now. Um, but depends but, on what the gift is, right? <laughs> I know. Well, one, one of the nice things I put in, which, which deals with another obstacle is I actually send everyone a mic, like a, you know, a professional blue snowball mic. Uh, and you don't, yeah, it costs me, you know, to send this out, but it, you know, I don't just send the mic. I send some other materials. I send them a copy of my book so that they can read the book and know a little bit more about me. There's also some more fun stuff in there to, you know, to make it more casual. The the mic obviously ensures that we don't end up with like terrible audio issues. Um, you know, there's a nice fallback, you know, that they can, they can rely on. But the other thing that also starts to do is it, it, it starts to build that relationship. Um, rather than waiting to the podcast, sometimes I get an email saying, thanks, got this. This is so much fun. And some banter can kind of go from there, uh, yeah. on, on the flow. So I agree with you, like whether you're going to sit down and, you know, drink, drink a bottle of booze together, or you're going to find <laughs> some sort of way to create a connection. I think that that's really important because you want to, you know, create this rapport that feels natural. Love that, man. You know, it's almost heresy for me to say it, but the idea of not doing a prep call, if you're doing these things, I see now why it is working and why you do have that rapport. I mean, I, 
I'm, I'm hearing you have rapport. Obviously you've said with John, you, you, you go way back, but with the, all the other guests, if you've done these things and you've, and you've invested this time and the idea of a gift and, you know, one of the main reasons to get on a prep is to make sure sound is going to be okay. But if you're getting them a mic in advance too, I mean, you're, you're checking all the boxes off and it saves you time. And then of course, you don't have to worry about trying to do I say yes or no if they don't do my prep call. I love that, man. I really do. Thanks. Thanks. Now, listen, I mean, I'm always tweaking too, right? Like yeah. you, you find little hacks, you find little gaps and you know, maybe it's the marketer in me with some of what I'm telling you. I mean, the automation, yeah. the workflow, the, the nurture campaign, if you 100%. will, that I have. Um, but, but all those pieces are so important. And, and I think not just before the podcast, but also after the podcast, mm, right? Like we, right. we record um, sometimes as, as much as a month or so before the episode goes live. So we've got to revisit and we've got to make sure that we go to them. So I have very simple templates, uh, you know, where I send them everything from, you know, approval of the podcast uh, name. Remember again, I'm dealing with some big companies, public companies sometimes. So last thing we want is 24 hours before that we're scrambling to change the podcast name because it, you know, it doesn't work with the market. Um, so, you know, making sure that we get that out about a week before they get a preview of some of the social assets so that they can start to loop in their social teams. Uh, you know, we, we start to, you know, drip that out the week before. And then that way the day it goes live when we have all the episode links, they're raring and ready to go. So the last guest that I had was uh, Venkat, who's the CMO of Mitel. If you don't know Mitel, large uh, telecom company. I mean, these this is like old school telecom that has been you know brought into you know the 21st century here, doing some really cool things. But you know, Venkat's not going to be the guy who's going to go you know put this on social. Like hopefully he does on his own. But we had so much cooperation from the Mitel team the day we went live. Uh, in terms of putting it out there on their different channels, jumping behind it as a team. And we actually had the same thing uh, with Nicole Milstead. Uh, Nicole's the CMO at Financial Force, uh, another massive, fantastic company that, you know, it's a part of the Salesforce uh, partner ecosystem. And what I loved about Nicole's is their team's like super competitive, now mm. they, they want updates every week of how many how many people have listened to the podcast uh they had their ceo out you know blasting this off their social wow. so the nice thing you can start to do is is create some create some collaboration after the podcast because your guest you know it's it's one episode for you but this is this is their episode this is their opportunity to put this out there and you want to make it feel special don't get me wrong. Some of your guests are going to be on a lot of podcasts, but I get fortunately to be on other podcasts too. And there's certain ones that I'm excited to go out and promote yeah. because I can tell that there's, there's a following, there's a production, there's everything that you just talked about that, you know, I obsess over. It's this element of, it's not just producing it. It's what we're going to do with it. Right. I mean, what is that stat that you taught me? Uh, something like, three years ago on the hardcore marketing show, something of like 87% of all content goes unconsumed. Yes. Is that, is uh, that the stat? I mean, I, I, I think it was a little lower than that. It was in the seventies, but okay, it's still it was in the a 70s. scary fucking number. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, that's, that's a big part of what, you know, the company I started being Uberflip was this idea that, you know, over 70% of content doesn't get used. And when I say yeah. not used, that doesn't mean that it doesn't get published. Right. Right. Having a podcast and putting it on Spotify or Apple or Google or Stitcher, wherever your podcast may live, does not mean that your podcast is getting used, right? right. Your podcast right. gets used when you get put it out there, when your team puts it out there, yeah. when it helps for whatever your goal may be, right? There's a lot of different reasons that people create podcasts. Sometimes the podcast itself is the revenue stream. Sometimes the podcast is a way to create awareness top of funnel, following with your customer base, whatever it may be. Right. So there's there's this importance of, of really understanding what those goals are and building that into your strategy. Do you get into that? I know, I mean, by the way, we'll link to our interview about that. It, it's a deep dive into the content activation and how Uberflip ties into that. 
is there is there a tie into to podcasting as since that's grown so much now the platform is that maybe a future development you'll add in there so it's a, it's an interesting question and yeah you know, I'm, I'm not gonna bs you at all here the <laughs> pod, podcast is the only format that i struggle on with my thesis um because my my thesis that i've always talked about and i'm sounding too much like a professor i'm, I'm not that bright um <laughs> my uh my my thought way back when was this idea that you know content marketing is about owned assets and we got to take ownership of our assets so your content should live on your website you right. know, your blog posts your your ebooks your videos um you know especially in a b2b sales cycle the the only example though of that that i struggle with is podcasts because the challenge with a podcast in any browser is you're not going to be able to continue to listen to that podcast once you close your browser. Right. So as much as there's great solutions out there, whether you're using Ellipsin or whether you're using, uh, you know, the one we use is called Cohost, um, you know, the company called Quill built, uh, that looks great and integrates really nicely into Uberflip uh, as a way to pull in content uh, onto your page. I'm not convinced that that's where people should be listening to your podcast because the reality is, you know, you look at most people's stats and over 90% of those downloads are still on Apple. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. It's, it's right. crazy. I I mean, I listen all on Spotify. Personally, Me too. But Me too. I, but over 90%, uh, at least our podcast, I can tell yeah. you, over 90%, it's like 91%. Listen on on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, which I see that too. Me always, um, and and as a result, we we need to be aware that as much as we want to see the engagement data and use that content on our site, the reality in most cases is we've got to at least give people that option to listen on their local, uh, you know, local app yeah. uh, because they may be in their car, they may be on a train, they may be anywhere. Um, and, and the ability to do that and have it offline for an air, airplane or wherever that might be. So what, what we try and do more so to answer you is we do leverage those podcast episodes on our, uh, you know, on our page. Um, I, yeah. am, am I supposed to not share my screen here or is that kind of cool? On yeah, go fly? for it, man. We're using Zoom, right? Um, Why not? So for those listening, you just hop on YouTube and see the video version. Yeah, exactly. Talk I'll talk through it though. So okay, we'll have yeah. a we'll have a play by play. This is this is like where we store all the content on our website. We call it our hub, um, or sometimes a resource center is what we think of it. So one of the options we have is browse by type, but you may find our podcasts in different, you know, streams of content around different topics. So you can see here that that people land in and we'll do kind of like summary assets that we use on social too, with some of the, you know, the the key takeaways from some of our, our questions that we ask on a regular basis, but more so when you go to the specific episodes, again, we've got that player in here, as I mentioned, that's, you know, co-host is the solution that we use for this, but we also make sure that there's a link so that someone mm -hmm. can listen on it wherever they choose. So yeah. for those who can't see my screen right now, we've got Apple, we've got Spotify and we got Google being what we know to be our top three places that people listen. And we've got hyperlinks to there. So if someone were to click on on that link for Spotify, it's going to open up. Well, it's going to right in Spotify, yeah. um, and then you're jumped right into that to be able to listen to. And if you're on your mobile device, you'll have that option. Back yeah. to my thesis, you know, fancy word again. <laughs> Typically, I would tell a marketer never to do this, right? Like because there is a big problem here. As soon as I send you here, I've lost the ability to track and keep you engaged. When you're right. done this episode. You may go listen to Eminem for all I know, right? right. Um, that Randy so, guy's boring. Let me go put some. Uh, let me go put some Eminem on. <laughs> so uh, I know, yeah. I need. I need to be. I need to get pumped up now. Uh, <laughs> but but we also have to respect the medium, right? And yeah. and that's the way I look at it. At the end of the day, is podcast is a bit of a different beast in that way. Um, I do think that there's probably other ways that, to be honest, we aren't doing yet. Um, you know, there's really cool. Uh, solutions out there. I'm forgetting one of them's name, even though I know the founder's name, Lindsay Casted. Casted, yeah. Uh, that that allows you to take your uh, your podcast and start to you know turn it into more bite sized pieces. Maybe that mm -hmm. belongs on your on your page a little bit more, and that allows you to use that content in other ways, so that then you can you know go from a blog post 
to a short snippet from your podcast and then continue on to a video, you know, that explains how your product works as a demo. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely doesn't it? It's, it feels it's exciting because it does feel like it's, it's the, the forefront it's the first, the crest of the wave, right? We haven't really, or before the crest, we we're not, fully there. I mean, there's what, 2 million podcasts, but there's 200 million blogs. So we're just so early and, and so we're still figuring it out. And it reminds me of how, you know, how we ever existed without marketing automation or landing page creation tools or CRMs. We just sort of had to piece it together. And so we're still kind of piecing things together, but apps are starting to be created around us. It's exciting. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I don't know where this space is going. I'm going to be honest. I don't have like a thesis on this one. Uh, I don't have a vision for it, but but I do I do wonder how this will be solved if if there isn't another platform because I think Spotify in many ways is no different than a YouTube, right? And YouTube's goal, like Spotify's goal, is to keep you on their platform. By doing so, they're able to serve you up ads, they're able to monetize, they're able to keep you on their platform. And the last thing that that even YouTube wants is to link you to your website. Right. right. Um, Spotify, you know, I, I wish there was easier ways for you to be like, I love this. Show me other content. And somehow we serve you back. Now, yeah. maybe the answer there is the ad platforms that are going to allow us to serve ads in some sort of way that allow us to, you know, think or actually click through as a CTA back to other content and back to the product pages. And maybe Spotify as an example would be happy enough with that monetization strategy. But again, you and I keep talking Spotify, 90% are on Apple. Yeah. And we know that Apple doesn't kind of give a shit about this right now. They really don't. That's so, you know, that's, that's a great point. They don't appear to give a shit at all about this yet. Most people are listening on their platforms uh, and everyone else is trying to steal their lunch and they still have it. But like, how bizarre is that? Right. Perfect opportunity. Don't make an Apple car. All right. We don't need your car. Fix podcasting because the app isn't even that great, which is why we're seeking out the Spotify's and the other people of the world, you know? So it's opportunity. Well, there's, there's huge disruption, right? Like yeah. you know, we're talking, you and I are now talking Spotify. There's a, let's, let's use this in, in the same example. Um, and I wish I had the stats in front of me, um, but I don't, but I'm going to tell you it and maybe I'll be able to pull it up on the fly here as we go. But I have another uh, keynote that I do all the time and it's all around this idea of um, uh, it's all around this idea of how Spotify overtook Apple from a music perspective. Mm. Right now, many of us may not even know this or remember this depending on your age. I don't mean that in an insulting way, but there was a time where Apple ruled digital music. hundred percent. Right? Yeah. Right? And and now it's starting to be familiar. Right. I remember those cool ads where the person's kind of like, you know, doing this pose on a, on a, you know, juxtapose, juxtapose ah, off of another color in the background. Yes. You know those images, those pictures. Right? Yeah. The Apple yeah, pictures. I can yeah. only speak right now let alone find the data that I'm looking for. Um, so I, and I'm, literally I make up that stat. Find what is that? I, Most stats are made up on the spot. Exactly. No, but I actually found the stat. So okay, you found it. Okay. I babbled a little through that while I was trying to multitask. But if you go back not that long ago, uh, Apple ruled music, as we were saying. Today, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote June 2021, Spotify had 165 million paid subscribers wow. to Apple Music, 78 million, right? That's more than double the amount of paid subscribers Jeez. on those platforms. So that shift happened, right? Yeah. It happened for music. Maybe it will happen on podcasts and maybe it won't be Spotify. I'm not suggesting Spotify is going to win everything, but Maybe there's that opportunity for someone to create that better experience. The question there is going to be, I think, though, do they do so from the perspective of what a media company wants or what a brand wants? Right. And those are two very different goals yet again. Mm, right? yeah. Um, yeah, the media, the media company just wants to make money off that piece of content itself. Right. right. Which, as we know, Apple is kind of made possible with things like their Apple News product. Sure. But that's different than the goal of a brand who wants to use this 
if you will, as a carrot to bring you in to other content and other thought leadership and ultimately talking to sales or making a purchase, you know, and that, and, and that's the correlation that'll be interesting to see if the platform that wins in podcasting can do that. See, and I've always tried to make my podcasts a, a brand podcast in a media world, you know, so that we don't have to play the media game. Um, it's more about the, like literally even the guest relationship justifies the whole conversation, you know, and then the audience is like bonus. Absolutely. Uh, well, listen, we're now we're starting to talk ROI in general. And, yeah. Let's get into you, that. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's a whole other hot topic here, right. Of, of what is ROI. And I used to be our CMO at, at Uberflip and and then I replaced myself with someone who was better at the job than me. Um, Smart. You know, yeah, listen, I, I I'd gotten to the point where I loved I loved being CMO, but I but I love our company and I love our customers more. So uh, you know, me taking on a bit of a different role made sense. And and the new team that came in to run needed to justify ROI for a podcast in ways that I didn't. And it and it starts to be a tough question that you gotta answer and you gotta prove. Um now I, I'm gonna find you. I keep trying to find stuff on the fly. This is never a good thing when you're trying to like, <laughs> you know, be real in the moment. Um, but one of our one of our uh uh reps, I just booked the CMO of an account that he's been working towards uh to close for quite some time. I'm not nice. gonna say who that brand is because you know, knock on wood, we make what does that. it rhyme with? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we're not going there either but, but i got this message from him literally just yesterday on slack he wrote to me good stuff true exec alignment the roi of this podcast is insane from intros to exec combos to insights into their buyer journey this is such good work and i i was like honestly so glad you appreciate it right and and i meant that like i'm glad that as much as I really do this at the end of the day to try and connect with an audience, as we talked about, my ability to do it is also contingent on showing ROI. Right. And my belief is as long as I'm solving something for both our guests, which is giving them a platform to tell their story right. and ultimately bringing in an audience that cares about that, which is why we get such great guests, then in turn, it, it should have this trickle effect. And right. the beauty in this case is that a sales rep appreciates it in this way. And, and I think that's, unfortunately, or perhaps unfortunately, that's the type of ROI stories you sometimes have to uncover because it's hard to show attribution from a podcast. Um, you know, there's some technologies out there that claim that they can somewhat track back to understand, you know, the source that someone came from a podcast to your website but that's still hard to do, especially when they're using an app to do so versus, you know, being cookied through a browser and being able to track that in that way. So, right. you know, some of this ROI uh, at this point still has to be highlighting those stories, uh, you know, within your organization. It's high praise. I think the the underlying dot, dot, dot is, you know, as marketers working with sales, marketing, we can be a little bit you know, positive mental attitude. We can have a little cheery attitude, but sales, no, if this thing's not helping me close deals, then I hate it. But if it is helping me close deals, I love it. And exactly. you can usually get the truth uh, from that kind of feedback. And to hear that, that's great. That's great for, for podcasting to, you know, to hear that if there is a, if alignment, you know, is possible. And if it's an outcome, then yeah, especially if it's a big enough deal where you know, that rep's happy. He's, he, he or she is sold on the podcast moving forward. And then you probably get a list of all these other people they'd love to have you talk to after that. Uh, absolutely. I mean, that's, you, you got to be careful with that too, right? Because, right. you know, back to our beginning, Yes. It's not just about what account you want to close. It's like, right. is this the right guest? Not just, is it the right size, et cetera. Does this guest have an interesting story? Right. Right. Are, are they well-spoken? I mean, these are some of the other basic elements that, you know, when we were talking about prep, I didn't, I didn't hit on, but I make sure that we go and we, we find something that they've done, whether it's another podcast or a video or right. read just a little bit about how they present themselves on, on a platform like LinkedIn to make sure that they're, they're comfortable in that setting. And I think I was able to 
pick that up because your show has you previewing the guest for the audience. And I was going to ask you, do you record that after your conversation? I do. So all in, there are seven pieces of my podcast that are recorded. Um, Six of them are used for the podcast. One is used as a social piece. So the last thing I record with the guests working backwards is the social piece where it's basically a teaser. We use video for that. I format it nicely. It becomes this asset that we go live with, you know, the day the podcast goes live on platforms like, like LinkedIn, et cetera. The, then there are three parts of the podcast that I record with the guest. I, I told you already what those yeah, three, are, the career three journey, the buyer journey, and the personal yeah. journey. The last three are kind of my perspective and they're designed to create some bridges in the podcast and ultimately keep things flowing and bring everything together. So one, as you said, is the intro. Yeah. That I do that actually after the guest has dropped off. Sure. And part of that is because like, you know, you've nailed that perfect intro, but you know, I don't want to screw that up for the guest. You know, I want to make sure that I, yeah. I, you know, hit on all their accolades. I want to make sure that I, you know, set some context to how I know this person. We keep using the John Miller one. So on that John yeah. Miller episode, I, I think I give a little background to how John and I first met, why he's, you know, someone I'm excited to talk about. And, and uh, real quick, would, it can be a little weird to introduce them to themselves in front of them, unless you've got it figured out. So the idea, and also if they're busy, maybe you don't you have to waste time on that. You can get right to the questions. So you can record that without them. And right. then just get right to it. You know, if you've got that rapport, if they're comfortable. Absolutely. And the other reason I like an intro that's done afterwards is I get to tease what we talk about in the episode. And one of the things that we, I, I think we all have to face with podcasts is sometimes people sample, right? Like, yeah. you know, they either sample by, by browsing and looking at what, you know, your write-up is or what the, you know, what the uh, headline is of that podcast show name. But sometimes they'll just listen to the first three minutes and be like, "Is this matter to me? And, you know, so there are times given the, the way our podcast is structured that they may not know in the first two, three minutes when the person's talking about their career, if the buyer journey stuff is going to be applicable to them. So the, my ability to tease that gives them the ability to say, is this, is this an episode that I'm going to care about? If not, that's fine. You know, it's going to ruin my, my listen through stat, but that's okay. Um, I'd rather them know, and I'd rather them invest, you know, in time that works. Uh, so just quickly, the other two pieces of the podcast that I record after the guest leaves, um, you know, these signpost segues that allow us to break up the sections. So they're often my ability, like my goal is for the guests to do the majority of the talking when we're when we're actually live. Um, but I'll put these in and they're usually no more than a minute. Sometimes they're like 30, 45 seconds. And it's kind of my ability to give some thought to what they just said. And, and sometimes that actually, I need that. I need that time to digest and, and kind of summarize with the takeaway or reference sometimes another podcast that someone should listen to because we may hit on something at a high level. And I'll say, well, if you'd like that, go listen to this episode yeah. with this guest. So it's a way to start to bring everything together. Um, and, and, it, and I think it just adds a little bit of better flow in general. Something I don't do, but literally talking to you on this podcast, I'm like dying to probably need to do that because I have probably three pages of notes at this point. And I have arrows and stars and like, yeah, people sampled, like they even calling it sample and all these different things. I'm like, yeah, I need to digest this in some mechanism to do. And I love that you you programmatically build that in so that you have a chance to reflect. And then you share that reflection with everyone else. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. What is it about like that? Your, your analytical mind, this conversation is like gold for me. I, I've, I've learned so much from this. Thank you so much. Now, where can people reach your show, reach you, what social platforms, Uberflip, throw the links out at us? Sure. Uh, So I'd say the best place to reach me is probably LinkedIn. It's a platform that I think does a great job at curating relevant content. Uh, So I I post a lot there. You can see me post about the podcast, some of the other stuff I do, some of the talks that I'm going to be doing in different places. Uh, If you want to learn about Uberflip, go to our website, uberflip.com. Uh, we've got really fun videos that explain what we do there. So if you've 
never been able to figure it out. Watch the, you know, explain it like I'm five video. It's, you know, I love it. It's worth, it's worth the laugh uh, alone. The, you know, the actor we had is, is just amazing. Um, And, and those would be the two great places to go. Um, You know, obviously the podcast is we've talked about uh, the marketer's journey. And uh, you know, when you're done uh, binging through everything that uh, Casey's got to offer you, come on over. Uh, or if you just need a break from Casey and his craziness, uh, <laughs> get a nice uh, calculated conversation. Um, but man, it's great to have heard the background of this. Randy, thank you so much for coming on here. Oh, thank you. Listen, I, I the, the one thing we didn't hit on, like the reason I do this is I learn every time. And as much yeah. as, you know, you said, I, I got to teach you maybe a couple of things and hopefully listeners, I, you know, that's the number one reason I do a podcast is it gives me different perspectives. Uh, I'm talking to CMOs who are like, so damn right. And it's, you know, I come off of these and sometimes I just, I have to call my head of marketing or a team member of ours and just say like, have you ever thought of this? Right. Yeah. And, and that's the cool thing. It's just like, we have access to all these ideas from all these bright people. Um, and whether that's listening to my podcast or just listen to something as dumb as smart list, uh, you know, which exposed me to some great TV shows that I've binged, you know, based on recommendations of people on there. Like it's, it's, it's that other perspective. I think that's so valuable. You know, and it's, it's great to strip away the famous person, you know, the, the moniker of the publicly traded company, the person you're talking, it's a person you're talking to. Right. And, Absolutely. and there's that phrase, you can learn something from anyone. And nothing like a podcast to extract that from people. So I'm with you 100% on that. And for those listening, if you learn something on this show in this short amount of time, time has just literally flown by. But if you learn something, share this with someone else. One person, nine people, 3,000 people. That is thought leadership. Activate this content so it doesn't turn into that 70% that Randy was talking about. Check out Uberflip. And again, Randy, thank you so much for being on here. It was a pleasure. All right, everyone. This has been another exciting episode of Creating the Greatest Show. We will catch you all next time. And next time doesn't have to be next week. Life's too short and we have way too much to talk about. Find show notes full of takeaways, lessons, and links at creatingthegreatestshow.com. For more information on launching your own podcast or working with us to produce your existing show, come on down to the big tent at ringmaster.com. Until then, friends, whatever you do, do it with all your might. Work at it, if necessary, early and late, in season and out of season, not leaving a stone unturned and never deferring for a single hour. That which can be done just as well now. P.T. Barnum.